The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Years ago, 20 years ago, I served with a group of people who would interview seminarians halfway through their training. And because of the precariousness of this role, the importance of it as a kind of gatekeeper for the future ministry, we were trained one weekend that we gathered to be aware of what issues faced transgender folks who might come in front of us. Never in the time that I interviewed seminarians did someone come in front of us who was transgendered, but we were preparing. We were preparing. And the person that they brought in to do the training was Jameson Green. Green is a compelling, smart, charismatic, ruggedly and conventionally handsome person. And he was born a woman. His journey, not unlike many people's, was full of an unfolding of an understanding of how who he was inside fit into the constructs of the world he was born into or needed to reshape their categories and expectations. Green's own personal story involved when he was two years old starting to refuse to wear dresses, his family told him. At six, he saw the premiere of Peter Pan on TV and was taken. If she can be a boy, so can I, he thought, and I will be a much better boy than she is. Green's mom made him a Peter Pan costume and he wore it out. At 12 or 13, Jameson told a friend who took the sharing at face value that he, Jameson, would never have a period but would grow up to be a boy. That friend immediately took Jameson into the boy's bathroom to show him how things worked in there so Jameson would be ready when the time came. Jameson was all, always attracted to women, so although feeling very much identified as a man in a body that was female, he lived in something that from the outside looked like a lesbian relationship. He married, and eventually the couple had a child. Green's partner was the one who got inseminated and gave birth. When their daughter, Morgan, was born, Green recalls the sense of the world and himself in it pivoting. He was meant for this role. And there was no place on the birth certificate for Green to sign his name except the line that read Father. And so he wrote his name there, and the doctor signed it. God bless San Francisco. And even though they never taught Morgan what to call Jamie, the child explained to friends in preschool that Jameson was her daddy. She saw him that way. He knew himself that way. And Green started to feel stuck in a place that didn't feel fully aligned. 
Well, it was soon after this, while doing research for a novel, that Jameson Green went to hear the trans activist and hero Steve Dane speak. Dane, who was born Doris Richards, had been a girls' PE teacher in a Northern California high school, even winning California's Teacher of the Year Award but then transitioned in 1977 and entered into a fight to retain his ability to work as a teacher. He was finally cleared to teach, but was never rehired and eventually retrained as a chiropractor, but his fight made national news. And seeing Dan speak was, Stephen Dane speak was powerful for Jameson Green. Dane was handsome, the room that day was full of other men who Jameson only realized belatedly were either transitioning or had transitioned, who were there also to hear Dane speak. Dane introduced his wife, talked about his work, and in this moment, Jameson Green saw who he was meant to be, how it all fit. The path that had been so muddy was clear. In the second edition of his 2004 book, Becoming a Visible Man, Green names how there's so much more writing and thinking. There are so many more groups and opportunities now to find support and guidance when making the journey that he made. And he tells the reader, I'm also heartened by the recent attention to our collective history from today's students and transgender-identified people who have been surprised and gratified to realize that they have not been alone all this time, that we have ancestors and pioneers, and there is a context for their lives. For Green, the modern history, that they can claim included people like Lou Sullivan, who founded the female-to-male transsexual society, now the FTM International, and Stephen Dane, who Green saw that pivotal day. But also there are the communities, ancient and courageous, like the Indian Hydra, who fought and still do to find their place. People whose Importance is written into sacred scripture, though they still struggle. The work of liberation is ongoing, of course. Green and other transgender activists and organizers work constantly to secure rights and protections and acceptance for transgender folks at work, in society, at large. All of it, it seems, involves at the start, the unpacking for the world who comes seeking understanding the language and experience of this community. And it's hard to stay current with the language. GLAD, the nonprofit that's focused on LGBTQ advocacy and cultural change, says language is evolving in real time. So transgender, most often right now, just so we're all at least on the same or similar page as I understand it, is a term that's used to describe people whose gender identity, that is a person's internal personal sense of being a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, differs from the sex that they were assigned at birth. 
And for some people, their gender identity doesn't fit neatly into those two choices. So there are words like gender non-binary or gender fluid and other terms that help name that experience and reality. And people in the transgender community can describe themselves using one or more of a wide variety of terms, including but not limited to transsexual, transgender, and non-binary. GLAD says it is important to maintain that there is no right way to be any of these. Instead, if there's takeaway advice, it's that we listen for and use the language that each person gives for themselves, the pronouns, the labels, the desire to be beyond labels. It's that we work to be the antithesis of what so many trans folks experience, which is a world that is hostile to those whom it cannot control or who will not conform to prescribed roles or ways of showing up in the world. My concern, Jameson Green wrote, has always been to amplify and lift up anyone who falls outside the simple binary defined by traditional gender roles, but also to assure every person that their own personal experience of gender, whether or not it conforms to some binary understanding, is valid and deserving of respect. I am convinced that the best way forward is for all of us as human beings to relinquish rigid identity, constructs that are competitive with or invalidating of other people. We cannot understand ourselves or live authentic and virtuous lives, he writes without recognizing, accepting, and respecting each other's differences. The human condition is so much more rich and dynamic than most of us have yet acknowledged. Amen to that. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? And yet, and yet, this week, the minister's book group read Maya Kobabes. I have to work to repronounce her name because I have been mispronouncing it. Kobabes' book, Gender Queer. Maya, who is also from Northern California, Maya uses the gender pronouns, neutral gender pronouns, E.M. Air. These are the ones, here's a little fun fact, if you don't already know it, that were introduced in 1975 by Christine Elbersom of Skokie, Illinois, who won a contest by the Chicago Association of Business Communicators to find replacements for she and he and him and her and his and hers, her transgender pronouns, A, M, and air, were formed by dropping the TH off of they, them, and their. Kobabe's book is a graphic memoir, which Ace says was written as a letter to Air Family to help explain Air Gender, a book it wishes had been there for M. It tells Kobabe's story from childhood until about age 30, which is the age Kobabe 
published the book at 30. It's a journey that takes M to see himself as bisexual, but also on the spectrum of asexual, to a place of gender identity that lies between the poles of the binaries of male and female. At 15, Kobe wrote in her journal, I don't want to be a girl. I don't want to be a boy either. I just want to be myself. Maya plays throughout the book with metaphors for understanding our sexuality and gender identity. And in the end, Maya writes this. As I wondered about a pronoun change, I began to think of gender less as a scale and more as a landscape. Some people, they're born in the mountains while others are born by the sea. Some people are happy to live in the place where they were born while others must make a journey to reach the climate in which they can flourish and grow. Between the oceans and the mountain, there is a wild forest. That's where I want to make my home. Both Green and Kobabe talk about the importance of evidence they found along the way of people who had gone before them. Stories, the few stories they could see themselves in, a bit character here on TV or in a novel, Kobabe writes. And each, each wishes that they had had some piece of that to save them, more of it to save them their loneliness and wandering and pain, and they write their books for just that reason, to offer them up to others a lifeline that reaches through to hold someone who's in trouble. We all know those lifelines. We all have some book, some moment it reached in, made us feel a little less alone. Yet this memoir of Maya's journey that's already been a lifeline to so many, this journey to error, authentic self was, in 2021, the most challenged book in the United States, according to the American Library Association and the free speech pen America. The so-called Mothers for Liberty, who are not the grassroots organization they claim to be, but funded by largely conservative philanthropists, they want to have the book banned. It's no surprise that many of the challenged books in America right now, or a lot of them, a disproportionate number of them are by black or GLBTQ folks. Kobabi, when discussing this, said, when you remove these books from the shelf or you challenge them publicly in a community, what you are saying to every young person who identified with that narrative is, we don't want your story here. which if we think about it is really just a version of, we don't want you here. The Stonewall School report in 2017 said 64% of trans pupils overall are being bullied at school. And of all those kids questioning or unsure of their gender identity but who don't necessarily identify as trans, 53% are being bullied at school. And that's just what happens at school. 
In 2018, the American Academy of Pediatrics said that a survey of trans and non-binary teens reported that, quote, more than half of transgender male teens who participated in the survey, survey reported attempting suicide in their lifetime, while 29% of transgender female teens said they attempted suicide. And among non-binary youth, 41.8% of the respondents stated they had attempted suicide at some point in their lives. To these teens, stories like Maya's are lifelines across that sea of isolation, hate, and despair. They can literally save lives. And not just for the questioning or trans teens, GLAD says that fewer than 30% of non-LGBTQ Americans personally know someone who's transgender. And Alex Schmeider, who's the director of transgender studies, uh, transgender represent, or, uh, sorry, and Aaron Dever, who's the chair of transgender studies at uh, University of Victoria, writes about how we see the ability to make people into cardboard cutouts, the first step toward hate and fear, and befriending someone, the first step toward empathy, protectiveness. If fiction is an empathy, Jim, as someone once said, memoir must be the same thing, one of those things that can shift the tide of human suffering. This fall, the study group that I've been part of for 25 years, I don't know, I looked up and looked around the room and noticed that four of our members, our four newest members, use the word trans or genderqueer or gender non-binary to describe themselves. And those members of the group are such grounded, thoughtful, fierce, kind, searching, gorgeous souls that I was struck again and again over the weekend together about how lucky I felt to be part of the group, to have an excuse to spend my time with these people. It threw me back 20 years to Jameson Green walking in the room can take a long time from seed to fruit, but we plant. So friends, we just have to continue to listen to what words people use to describe themselves and be part of the world that affirms pronouns and life experience on our hard-won understanding we all have of our stories, our gorgeous stories, that stretch especially any false limiting binaries, the ones that sell the human story short of its expansive and beautiful diversity. Read people's stories, watch documentaries, there's a whole list of resources that can work the empathy machine and we can recommend it to people we think need the empathy gym. And we can just show up. The truth is all of life, the stories of the ancestors, the stories being told and written right now, if we listen deeply, speak of a life that is always beyond the binaries and is always in transition. 
There are mountains and there are oceans, but there is also this wild forest in between. Blessings on us wherever we find and make our home. And however and whoever we know ourselves to be. Amen. There are cultures that have recognized and made a place for transgender folks through time. In India, it's the Hijra community. The place of this male to female transgender space and knowing of women dates back in time and it outlines a role for them. The Hijra through time have formed their own communities families with a mother who's the head of the house there to protect them, pass on wisdom. The families have even in recent decades helped pay for the transition surgeries and medical care for their family members who otherwise couldn't afford it if they wanted it. It's a community of support, of mentoring, a place to call home. The position of the Hijra in Indian society is layered, it's complicated. Families that people are born to do not always welcome the coming out of a family member as trans, as Hijra. There are very few ways to earn a living for folks who are members of that community, and the ways are often exploitative. Yet the Hijra have this other status that's ancient and grounded in sacred story. They are considered the givers of blessings. A. Ravati, an Indian activist for Hijra rights and a Hijra herself, writes about this in her, her memoir, Truth About Me. If you want stories about Hijras, there are hundreds of tales I can tell you. But for now, I'll tell you just this one. You must have heard of Ramayanam, Mahabharatam, and all that. Well, when Rama went off on exile for 14 years, his subjects, both men and women, came to see him off to the forest. They walked with him to the forest's edge and would have accompanied him further inside when he told them, all of you, men, women, and children, Go back to your houses. I'll complete my 14 years of exile and return to rule over you. So everyone left, men, women, and children. But a group of people stayed back. And there they remained at the forest rim for 14 years until Rama came back. Astonished, he asked them, who are you? Why haven't you gone back to your homes in the city? They replied, Swami. We belong neither to mankind nor to womankind. You said then that men, women, and children ought to return to the city. But you did not ask us to go. Bound by our wishes, we remained here. Rama was so astounded and moved by their sincerity that he granted them a boon. Whatever you speak will be true. Your words will come true. So from that day onwards, People here have believed that a hijra's word will come true and think of us as godly beings. They hold that it is good to start the day by seeing a hijra. Those who run businesses think that the day will go well for them if they give us money and earned our blessings. 
Since this Hindi country respects us so much, we must behave in a manner that is worthy of that respect. To this day, a Hindu wedding and a baby blessing isn't complete without their presence, and treasured are the songs and blessings of Ahidra. Gifts of money and food are given to them on these occasions in gratitude for these blessings. To this day, India recognizes a third gender on official papers in society as a way to honor the Hidra. <laughs> 